This is something like that with Nav. You know, I got to actually come up with an introduction for this particular podcast every time I listen to the uh, re- listen to the replay. And uh, it seems like there's no oomph in it. And I need somebody to help me out. Maybe the guy that I'm going to have on the show there might consider helping me out of that part. Hopefully, I'm just pitching this out. Talking about who am I going to have on next? Well, it's a guy that uh, a guy and also an organization or a particular place that many of us take for granted. You know, we spoke about artists, we spoke about music, but the place where the magic starts or where it happens, and at the very same time, the people responsible of making that particular sound or that music sound really good. Okay, those are the guys you really want to have a chat with. And uh, finally, I managed to get somebody I know, and he has an amazing studio. He is the CEO of Pulse Soundwork. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mudden. Hey, Mudden, what's up, man? What's up, bro? Yeah, just like... Yes, it's a pleasure to have you on board. And just like I mentioned earlier off air, it's like you just made me look really bad, man. Your setup looks super good. And here I am with a ridiculous white wall at the back and a cheap 30 ringgit lighting in front of me. Your white wall looks better than some techy green screen. You know, you know it's just like I'm just trying to figure out. It's, it's getting too technical for me because I must admit that I'm a bit pampered. Like, I mean, through the past couple of years, five to ten years, I've been really pampered by all this. The uh, tech engineers, or the AV guys, you know, they've been pampering me in the sense that they don't let me do anything. It's just that they'll do everything. So I just come and present. Even in the sound, the how do I sound like, they know it best. So... Sadly enough, now when I have to do everything hands-on, I kind of forgot how to do it properly. So I'm just learning. Uh, just, but thanks to you, now I just realized I got to up my game. I got to start figuring out where to place my entire setup, man. It looks really awful right now, man. Really, really awful. You know, it's it's good. It's good to have you on board. It's been a couple of months where since we last met. The last time we met was uh, during the MC workshop. And I must say, dude, you have a fantastic studio. Pulse so Soundworks. Much. It's an amazing uh, studio. Uh, for those who haven't checked it out yet, just you can just head on to Facebook right now and just uh, click, uh, type in Pulse Soundworks. You can see the entire setup, how it works. And also you have a website for that. Uh, while you're watching this broadcast, you can also stream, uh, while you're listening to this podcast also, you can stream and check out this pages to have an idea what am I talking about. Well, the reason, one of the reasons why I had to, had to come and talk to you is because um, a couple of days back, I had a chat with some artists, and at the very same time, through conversations, through friends, we were talking about making music and all the other stuff. But that is something that people in the scene would only know, you know, about how music is being made and who's responsible behind it. But anybody in the common side, the people who's actually listening to the music, haven't got the slightest idea on what really happens. I mean, you can have the greatest band, the coolest band in town. You have the greatest yeah. song written, but if you don't have these two elements, nothing will make it sound good, man. It's like one, you gotta have a proper studio, and two, you gotta have the proper sound personnel. Is That's that true. is that what they call it right now? I, I don't know. I'm a bit confused with the terms they use, you know, because like well, I grew up from an era where they call it sound man, and then some yeah. that evolved to sound engineer. Then halfway through, I see it's producer. And is there any new terms, or is it a particular specific term for that? You know that there are so many people involved in the production process, um, but it has gotten to a point these days where one person is wearing so many hats, and the roles have kind of blurred among each other. So it's it's hard to tell 
who's the musician, who's the engineer, who's the um, producer. These are all supposed to be different people. Okay. You know, everyone contributes to to the whole process. But here we are today. Um, entire albums are produced out of the comfort of your bedroom. You know. Yes. Uh, I think we both know who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the bedroom. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a bedroom bedroom bands and bedroom music. That is also one of it. Yeah. But currently, yeah. the the role that you hold, what what is it called? What is it called? I mean, for you, to be specific. Well, um, it depends on the project. In most cases, uh, I am the producer. Uh, I have an engineer. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, when we get a client, the client will be the artist. Uh, if it's a singer songwriter who comes in with a song, as a producer, it is my job to um, flesh out the song. If I need to engage a uh, beat maker, see, I, I mentioned beat maker and not producer, right? So yeah. there is a distinct difference. Um, without stepping on anyone's toes, um, I would like to clarify the difference. A person who makes beats um, can be a producer, but not necessarily. Okay, so it's a thin fine line down there. La. There's a fine line. So you can be the producer and the guy who makes the beats and programs all the, the electronic elements of the song, but it's not necessary that you are also the producer. So um, if I'm producing a singer-songwriter and I need some electronic elements, I can engage someone like um, Music Kitchen, for example. I, I okay. can just go there and say, uh, I got this song, uh, I need... Um, um, some synths and uh, some electronic drums in the style of this song. This is a reference. And they pass me the stems, right? So okay. as a producer, I take those files and then I will decide, okay, it still needs some live bass. It needs some groove, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call um, a really funky bassist uh, like uh, Gideon Yogan, you know? Okay. I needed to track some live um, bass on this. So once all that comes together, then um, we do the recording and we, we, we add what needs to be added, right? So, so that is the role of the producer. Um, the producer will also need to assign a studio, but in my case, I have a studio. La. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, a good one, I guess. Thank you. But uh, a producer doesn't necessarily have a studio, so they will have to engage the studio. They'll have to engage the recording engineer, the uh, mixing engineer once everything is done and eventually the mastering engineer. Now, while planning ahead for all of these things, there's gonna be a budget in place for this production. So you may have the best possible options out there, but it may be out of budget. So, you know, you kind of need to make it fit. It doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom. You just have to be smart about where you put the money. Okay, so you have to actually decide. But uh, the funny thing is this, like uh, I, w- I conducted a little survey of our people who's like uh, a couple of friends that I know who play music but haven't had the chance to record anything. And uh, like you just enlighten us about the entire process of who's coming in, who's going there and all. But if for those who don't have this budget, you know, the small-time musician, but they want to record a song, uh, the options that they have, who can they actually eliminate in this whole entire hierarchy you just mentioned a moment ago? Everybody, you can do it yourself <laughs> at home. You can. No, but but uh, the thing is, doing it at home is like we just spoke about it. Being a bedroom producer, yeah, fine. There are some songs out there which we have heard before, which is solely produced in the bedroom itself. But then again, you have to be equipped with the knowledge in terms of knowing the sound. It's not going to be yeah. as easy as uh, anything. I could come up with a beat 
I mean, I could be a guy who's like, okay, I can come up with a beat, I can play the guitar, I can do the drums, but bringing it all together and make, giving it the right sound, would that affect it very much? Uh, okay, it, it's important to actually note at this point that um, you can have the best producers, best studio, best equipment, best everything, but mm -hmm. in order to have a good song, 90% of it is the fact that the song is good, the arrangement is good, and it just comes together very nicely. It's only the balance 10% that sets it apart. So okay. if you have all the studio magic and, and technology at your fingertips, but your song is crap, sorry, love, it's just going to be like <laughs> you know, well-polished crap. <laughs> yeah, but but some in some cases, some of the songs were crap, but thanks to the people who produced it or rather who engineered the particular song and made it sound really good. It could be something with just four bars or eight bars and lousy uh, singers. And it, there's even a meme or a parody about how engineers made singers sound really good with altitudes and all the other yeah. stuff. We, we've seen that before, right? So does that but, actually but, happen? You had lousy singers and you just made them sound good? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I've got so many horror stories, you know. There, there are clients, there are some clients' calls which I will not pick up because of the amount of work that goes into, you know, editing and, and pitch cor pitch correcting. It's it's a blessing and a curse, this whole pitch correction technology. Okay. It's great to have when you have uh you have an amazing imagine this, you have an amazing vocalist, um, great performance captured on on in, in, in a good take and there's one bum note in there so you use this tool to fix that bum note and you make the take absolutely perfect it's a great tool to have but at the same time you get people who can't you know hold the melody to save their life yes and it it sometimes i'm in a situation or we're in a situation where this is a paying customer it <laughs> your work has to go on and you cannot you know, you cannot put out the song the way it is. So you have to go in there and find it. You're basically replaying the song, replaying the melody that's sung, note for note, correcting every single note, which can sound quite artificial, but you got to do what you got to do. Lah. Yeah, so, because so it's obviously notice where you can notice that when people are performing live, you know, when you listen to the song via the CD or MP3 or Spotify or whatever, it sounds so good. But the moment they do it live, you're like, what the hell happened, man? <laughs> <laughs> but but we as, as an audience as well, I mean, I put aside the production side of things. As, as a music listener, um, we've been accustomed to what we hear on radio, which is very, very polished performances, vocal performances. Everything is pitch perfect. And that's how things are. And, and because you're used to that, when you hear someone singing something slightly off, it feels like, hey, this one, like, the producer failed, huh? you know? Okay. All right, now uh, that you mentioned. Okay, now that you mentioned me, it does make sense. It does make sense. The, the Beatles were out of tune. Um, Remember the song, Nowhere Man? Yeah. Yeah, Nowhere Man, it starts off with this a cappella bit, and then the chord comes in, they sing. The entire a cappella bit was like almost a semitone flat from the entire song. It's it's not in tune. It's not perfect, but that's that's the characteristic of the song. Yeah, it's because part of the I song. mean things like this are people like you would have noticed it very much because I always believe that there are people who's uh, like I said, the term sound engineer or producer, you guys have extra pairs of ears and you have that spidey sense for sound, you know. <laughs> you have noticed every single detail that happens in, in, in music or a composition itself. So maybe that's the reason why you can pay uh, uh, 
good de- good attention to those details. But for someone like me, uh, okay, don't, don't count me because we have also heard stuff on radios and stuff. Like someone on the common side who hasn't been involved in the production or has, doesn't know anything about music but enjoys listening to it, it's it's quite a difficult way right, to differentiate that. It's like you can't avoid uh, you can't avoid criticizing or rather feeling odd when you hear the live version and also the uh, uh, what's the word for it the recorded version of it, right? That's that's true. Like as a general listener, um, you're you're used to what you listen to. You're used to what is being delivered to you. Um, th- there was a time where even as a general listener, you listen to the quality of MP3s. You'll feel like this sounds a bit off, lah. The quality, like, not so nice. But fast forward how many years since Napster and since you know MP3s have become a normal thing, you're desensitized to the fact that MP3 quality is actually quite shit. Oh, yeah. You don't care. You know, true, so, very true. Same thing goes with uh, styles of music, uh, production styles. If it's long, if it's done long enough and it's delivered to you in that way, you will feel that that's the norm, bro. In in um around the year two thousand, pop music was actually very guitar driven, and that yeah. was pop. That's what everyone listened to. You listen to a guitar heavy song on radio now, it just kind of feels out of place. It it falls under the rock category all of a sudden, modern rock yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on how people are bombarding you with the type of sounds that's going on, right? I, I think that's and, a term uh, narcotizing. <laughs> okay, that's a new term. I'm going to start referring to that, checking out on that, my dictionary for that particular term. Uh, Benson <laughs> Chiang, everyone, hashtag everyone can sing. Yes, I won't deny that. Like Everybody can sing. Uh, but unless you're someone like me that's oh, close to impossible, uh, not close to impossible, it is. It's impossible for people like me to sing. No way of doing it. Back to back to the process of uh, getting involved. And uh, okay, let's forget about the bedroom side and uh, bedroom producers. Uh, let's get on to the actual making of a song. Uh, let's say yeah. I am going to come in with my band. I got my guitarists, I got my basses, my drummers, and so on. Because I'm a bit surprised that some some okay some. Let me highlight the word here. I don't want to get the gear. a musician that's attacking me after this. Some were actually don't know the process of recording a song. Yes, they can perform live, you know, it's like live shows and so on. But when it comes to pr- the process of recording a song, what ex- actually takes place from the very start? Could you just help us out on in a okay. nutshell? So you're coming into the studio. Um, you've got no zero experience. You've got a band. You've got a song. Mm-hmm. You have played it live before, which means that yeah. you have arranged the song. So... Um, If you're coming in and you're engaging us as a recording facility, that would mean that you are self-producing. So <laughs> you you come in, play a song, we record it, we mix it for you, you tell us how you want it to be mixed and it's done, which um, is usually the case. Lah. But what I would recommend to a band coming in for the first time is to engage a producer, or if you don't have one, um, engage us. As or me as as your producer. So what happens in that case is that I will book you a pre-production session. So that would mean it's basically like a jamming session, right? Okay. The whole band jams. Uh, we'll do a very basic live recording. Now there's two reasons for this. One is so that I familiarize myself with the song, right? I need to understand the song. Okay. And two, based on what I hear, I will sit down and talk to you about um. Okay, bro. Tell me about this song. What do the lyrics mean? Um, who is this song for? What is the message behind this song? Uh, who is your target audience? 
um, what's the image of the band? There's a lot of things that I need to know about um, about you guys as a band and what the song is about. So based on that, um, I'll come up with a plan on, okay, so this is how I envision the song to be like in order to meet your vision of the song. So I'm taking your idea and I'm kind of enhancing it. All right? Oh, I see. So th- this could mean that um, I'll have to say, I'm sorry, but your guitar solo has to go because you're looking for radio play. Not going to happen, bro. Sorry. Right? Things Ouch. like that. Um, recently, uh, I did a pre-pro. It was a seven-minute song, pop song. Seven-minute pop song. Somebody right? wanted to be queen. <laughs> And uh, this song's not out yet, so uh, you guys might hear it soon. Uh, it was a, it's a really, really good band. They call Sonu. Oh right. yes, I remember um, them. I remember them. They were good in a couple of the battle of the bands. Yeah, yeah, they're right. They, they almost almost every battle they join, they win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, so uh, the recording process was kind of hindered by the MCO. So um, hopefully we can get back to it soon. The, so the pre-pro was about seven minutes long. Um, I had to edit it down to about. Uh, 340 which is about the golden ratio for radio mm-hmm. almost half and, and, yeah yeah it's a lot an entire verse went out uh half the bridge went out uh solo was cut down from like 16 bars to about eight bars a, a lot of things were cut but Ouch. it's not impossible and as as a songwriter as a band if you're bringing me a song you have a certain connection to this song. this is this is your baby you know you made this you can't you can't butcher this song. You can't chop it up. You need a third person, third party to do this. Okay. So that's what a producer does. And all of this is before we even enter the studio. All these things. There's that amount of work before a single thing is recorded. Wow. Right? You mean this, <laughs> nothing recorded yet? It's just listening to pre, pre, what, what was the word again? Pre-production, is it? Pre-production, yes. Wow. So, so but, but when it comes to the recording, what happens then? Okay, for the recording process, by this time pre-production is done, everyone's on the same page, we know what we're going to do. Um, if you're really organized and all that, you'll make a chart of what needs to be recorded and put it on the wall and check it off as it's done, right? So you you will probably want to start tracking with the rhythm section. And usually this is the drums, bass, right? Uh, modern recording techniques would be... Uh, multi-track recording so you're going one at a time okay um in the event that uh everyone is not as familiar with the arrangement as they should be you get one person to record a guide so it just could be like a, a rhythm guitar right or acoustic uh playing throughout the song with some scratch vocals guide vocals on it right okay so that that will give everyone a sense of where in the song they are then the drummer goes in to record they hear the metronome and they hear it uh, headphones, they hear the guide track and they play along to it. So that one is tracked, done. Then we track the bass, for example, and then all the other rhythm instruments. Usually the vocals are last. Usually. Oh, so it's like you break it down, you just separate all the ingredients, and then finally you just bring in the vocalist, you put it in, and then you mix everything up. Is that how it works? I'm, I'm putting right. in a layman's, a layman's term for the guys like me who don't know anything about recording. Is that how it works? Yes. Essentially, that is right. So, so you're doing one at a time. So that would mean that um, while recording the drums, you can still decide that, you know what, this, this bridge section is not working. Let's try something different. So you're getting everything right as you go along. 
So it's not like I just have that whole band in there and this everybody play, let's hit the record button and then it works. It is, it's nothing uh, like that, right? You can. You can do that. Uh, a lot of bands actually do that. Uh, if you have been playing together long enough, you have that chemistry, um, you are known to have a certain live energy and you find that you cannot reproduce that when you're playing in isolation, then record live. But that would mean you need a studio that's big enough with the space, uh, with enough um, facilities to accommodate a full band without compromising the number of channels that, that is required. You have a huge space. I think that shouldn't be a problem on your side, right? We, we can do a full band live. Yes, yes, we can. But, but as um, an engineer, as an engineer yourself or a producer, would you recommend that or you would just say, no, that's not a good idea? This is a decision that I will make after the first round of pre-production. If the band is good enough and if the pre-production sounds like, wow, this, I can mix this, you know, then I'll tell the band, you know what? Let's do a live recording. Oh. Because there are some bands, um, oof, let me pull the name. Uh, um, have you heard of Cats in Love? Yes, I have. Um, they are a band that sound amazing live. They have so much of energy. And if I were to record them, I would want them all in the same room, same time, feeding off each other's energy and, and capturing that moment of magic. That, that to me is, is the ultimate form of audio engineering, to capture a moment of magic. What I just described to you is a means to an end, getting okay. everything right. But this... Th 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 in this case, sorry for interrupting. In this case, like when you say getting the chemistry right and uh, having that one particular recording set going on at one go is is usually applicable for people who's been in the live band scene, right? Because they've been performing day in, day out, night, uh, every night for I don't know how many months or how many years. So they have that chemistry already. Uh, the chemistry is already there in comparison with somebody who's trying to record a song for the very first time. They only play on certain shows and certain days. So live bands so far, have you had anybody who just decided that, okay, I'm going to record a song and have they actually recorded together or do they also do individual recordings? Um, there, uh, uh, there's really no right or wrong about it. There's no correct way to do this. It's, it's um, what you want to achieve. Th that's the thing about the creative arts. There isn't one way to do it. There are some guidelines, but based on what you have presented in front of you, um, as a producer or as an engineer, you need to decide which would be the best course of action to achieve your intended goal. So if a band sounds great live, uh, what we could do is record the band live, capture that energy, but um, replace the vocals so we have like a nice clean vocal take. Uh, maybe um, don't have the guitar solo with the live band, but uh, overdub that later. Um, maybe you can have some uh, additional guitars, additional um, string sections, something that you can have um, added on later. So, nice. so that, that that's different combinations of uh, techniques that you can use. Nice. Wow. I just learned something new today, man. I, I never knew this actually happened because one of the things that I've always also uh, is my concern is that when, like you said earlier, you, you would give suggestions or recommendations to remove certain parts of the song and uh, uh, get rid of maybe some guitar riffs or drum. I don't know what's the term for that. Okay, you, you do recommend that, but have the band actually, uh, do the band actually come and go, go against that idea and insist that, no, I insist that I want it 
done this way because you're the producer, but I don't care. I'm paying you. We're just going to do it this way. Has that ever happened to you? Of course, yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, I mean, not so, you know, in your face like that. You know? <laughs> Sometimes they you know, I insist, no, I got to have this part. I have to have this part. So we, we try to compromise. La. We try to compromise. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always been a question because I, uh, one of the bands I spoke to before, they even mentioned that some parts had to be taken out because the producer said that. And uh, mm-hmm. But if you as a, some, someone from a band, or somebody who wrote that particular piece, you had that idea when you wrote it that this is how it's going to sound like. I jammed and this is how I wanted to feel like. But when the moment I walked into the studio, the producer said, no, Joe, you cannot put that. Like You got to take that out, take that in. Does that actually jeopardize the end product? Um, okay, this whole producer putting their foot down thing, uh, I feel personally, it's um, it's a matter of how severe this thing is. So um, I'll give you a very clear example. There is this band, new band, a lot of potential. The song that they're recording is a confirmed radio hit. Confirmed. You, okay. you know it's going to be a hit. But there's profanity in the song and the profanity doesn't add to the song. It's just there for the sake of being there. So there'll be a situation where I'll put my foot down and say, change the word. It's not going to happen. It's, you're wasting the song and I'm not going to budge on that. For nice. example, there'll be a decision where it's final. It's no discussion. Else the song's not going to get radio play. I see. But speaking of radio plays also, like uh, for those who's coming into the studios and uh, deciding to record a song, are they, more, are they really concerned about things that should be on radio? Or because since the, we live in an era where you have so many other platforms where people are far, further uh, promoting themselves, like say YouTube, Spotify, and whatever things you can think of, since they, they exist and censorship is not an issue for them, Okay, so do they say that, no, I don't care, I'm just going to have the swear word, this is how my album is going to sound, screw the radio, yeah. I don't want radio. Does that happen often? Is, that, is there an increase in that or do they play it safe? Uh, lately, yes, there is an increase in that. There is. But um, I would also like to add at this point that uh, if you do have profanity in your song, it has to be declared when you release it online on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple Music, um, it, it, says, it says they're explicit, right? Uh, when your song is marked as explicit, there are certain playlists that it cannot be delivered to. There are certain um, marketing avenues that cannot be applied to your song. And, and it that's could... A problem. That's it a, that'd be a setback, in fact, right? It, yeah, it is. So think about it. Does... Having profanity in your song um, add value and meaning and impact to your song. If it does, yes, by all means, it should have profanity and mark it as explicit. But if it's just there because you felt like putting it there and it doesn't add to anything, probably best not to have it. Thanks for reminding me, man. I just got to re- change the ratings for this particular podcast on Spotify. Because <laughs> I just had it. <laughs> no, but, now, now, now that but, you mentioned it, I was like, okay, something that I missed out. I didn't think about it. I mean, being being a former radio guy, of course, back then it was a different mindset. But once you get out of it and you just think that, hey, I'm a rebel. I'm just going to start playing whatever, <laughs> swear as much as I want. Nobody's going to yeah, care. It's yeah. in the internet. But now that you mentioned this, it does does make sense a lot. A sense of why some songs are being played on radio and uh, why yeah. some songs are not really that popular on Spotify. Does it really make that playlist or the charts to say? But but in, in your case, um, you gotta ask yourself, who is your audience? Uh, if you know that kids below twelve is just not your audience at all, then 
Sakit lah. <laughs> yeah, but then again, kids these days, <laughs> they've been swearing when they're seven years old, dude. Kids these days, uh, I don't know yeah. why they need to have that filter thing. Doesn't make much difference these days, man. You don't swear at home, but you swear in, swear in school. All right, but uh, here's I'm another thing. Can we get? No, I'm pretty sure they can outsmart any filter. Like just give yeah. them enough time. I know, but okay. After all this process, after all this process of recording it and then mixing it together, you get your final product. But there is a difference when you come up with that song. Okay, once the the end product of it. When you start uploading on Spotify, because Spotify has a different, sorry, after recording it, you have to send it out for mastering, right? That's another process altogether. Uh, wait, so just now we stopped at uh, recording, right? Yeah. So every, everything's got, uh, everyone's got everything recorded. Um, we got the vocals done. Then you actually, as a producer, you sit down and um, ask yourself, is, does this need anything else? Uh, does it need some sort of um, synth programming or does it need any um, additional beats to be programmed uh, once acoustic instruments are done? If no, then it's um, it's not even mixing yet. So then you huh? actually start the process. No, not yet. You got oh. a whole of editing to be done. Ah, right? please, please, please share it. Share it, uh, man. I really uh, love this. Okay. So the first thing I would do or my I, I would get my team um, to do is... Um, to start comping. So comping is where when you're recording, uh, say a guitar, so something that requires a lot of feel, right? Yeah, it, like guitar solos or vocal takes, you're not going to just do one take and call it a day. You're going to have multiple takes. Even if you find that good take, you're going to have safety takes. You're going to have backup takes, alternate takes, right? So you've got a lot of variations of that same bit of the song within your project, okay? So comping is where you go through each phrase, you find the best bits and put it together. Oh. Make sense? Right? Yeah, now I so, know why they pay you so much. <laughs> and and just because you find the best bits doesn't mean it works together. So you got to listen. Whoa, man. Right? You got to listen. Just... You got to make that this first line sounds great. Second line sounds great. Put it together. No, not so great. So something has to compromise. So... First take, first line, uh, second line, maybe second take, and then put it all together. Um, then you got one good performance. Then you're going to want to check for, you know, um, sliver sounds, breathing. Sometimes you, you know, cough a the little bit. The pop and the click and all. Yeah. Pop and click. You got to clean up all these things. These are like engineering things, like boring stuff. Um, it could also be uh, on drums where uh, certain mics, you want to have it ready clean. So like tom-tom like drums, for example. Um you may want it really clean. You, maybe you want a very pop sound. So you want to remove um, the parts where the toms are not being played. Right? Okay. So actually cleaning up all your audio tracks, um, there will be a second step. Then you've got um, timing correction. right? Um, usually this is done as you record, if it's really bad, but you kind of want to go through everything together, make sure everything sits in properly, locks in tight. Um, also, bear in mind that I'm talking about very modern day production. Like I mentioned just now, everything's pitch perfect. Everything is time synchronized. It, it, it's locked to the grid. And that's just how pop music is produced these days. So if you have too much of groove and it's all a bit sloppy, it's just going to sound unpolished and unproduced. It's, it's, it's the name of the game today. La. It's unfortunate, but it's true. So that's where you guys come in to ensure that that doesn't really happen, right? Yeah. It's always best to get the, the best possible performance recorded with minimal editing, but 
you have the tools at your disposal so you want to like go through it make sure everything's locked in you want to know that your kick drum and your bass guitar are, are sitting in the pocket nicely um you want to know that uh your your snares are you know snapping at the right places um your vocal entry is on point you know it's not too early not too late because when something is too early too late it can add a certain feel or flavor to the song uh but it depends whether it's the right feel or flavor right you don't want it to be too draggy you don't want it to be too uh pushy unless the song calls for it so these are things that you want to fix in during editing as well and then everybody's favorite pitch correction <laughs> so you make sure all your pitching is right um sometimes if you want to keep it natural you just want to push it so that it's within the realm of acceptable not perfect uh sometimes you want it to be absolutely pitch perfect uh and it's not just vocals that gets this treatment um this is applied to um i mean i've applied it to guitar solos um violin sometimes because you know the intonation may be a bit off um yeah yeah uh, sometimes um analog synthesizers um if you're using you know it's very popular these days you get this old um analog hardware synthesizers uh yeah. some of these actually don't hold tune very well so you want to check if it's properly in tune with the rest of the song this again is best done while recording not in post but sometimes mistakes happen and you fix it in while doing this is the process lah so but if, so if, if mistakes happen so what you call them back again and just ask them to re-record the entire thing or is this like you have to play with what you have well okay this is where budget comes in again if your budget is unlimited come in do it again i don't care okay. <laughs> but if time and budget is a factor then sometimes you got to I mean, that's why it's called audio engineering you're fixing problems i see because dude seriously uh 37 minutes ago till 37 minutes ago i looked at you differently but right now i could imagine why sometimes you look really frustrated man i could imagine the process that you have to go through with all all these details and people take it for granted that uh an, an audio engineer i don't want to play it i don't want to waste my money let me record it in the bedroom but the the process that happens is amazing man It's like now I understand whenever I do my voice over recording why does a sound engineer does so many things recording might be just be something about 15 seconds but the way he plays it he takes about 30 minutes to get the right sound I said do I sound really that bad to no joke this is a bit here a bit there a bit there progressive but he makes it sound really really good man it, you know? yeah come again you probably don't hear it. you probably don't hear it but it's it's those details that um you want to make sure cuz you don't know where it's going to be played in the end Um, some systems may pick up those tiny bits, so you just want to get to it before it's released. You just want to make sure everything is nice and clean. Oh, Fix I up see, everything. See. Yeah. It has but, to but be okay. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I've learned, uh, a very important thing that I've learned over the years. Lah, um, this line of work, producing music, or even as an engineer, um, you may have the most technical skills. You may, you, you may be creatively amazing. You can do all the technical work and and all, but the most important aspect of this job is people skills. That is the absolute most important thing. Because if you don't have that, you are. I'm sorry, but you just can't produce. You can't, because the main task of a producer is to coax the best possible performance you can out of the artist, even if they're feeling uncomfortable. Especially if they're feeling uncomfortable, if um, it's just not a good day. or if they're just not in the right mood or 
well, okay, this happens if they're just not buzzed enough, you know? Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I feel you, man. I understand that part. It's like getting, I mean, if you're going to tell somebody not to do something or ask somebody to do something, it's not like everybody's just going to take it at face value. It's like, okay, fine, you tell yeah. me I do it, but you have to convey it in the right way and, of course, explain to them in why you're doing such a thing, right? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. a long process. But going back to the process of doing a recording or rather the comping you said earlier. So after the comping of getting the pitch tune perfect or whatever and the guitar sounds, does that end there or does it still continue? Right. So there, um, okay, this is the point where, okay, the first part, the recording, um, if we were to break this down into specific tasks, the recording part is a recording engineer's job, right? Uh, usually for editing, you have an assistant engineer or, or someone who's assisting the mix engineer who, this is called mix prepping, right? Okay. So you've done all the comping, you've done all the editing, time correction, pitch correction and all that, and you pass it on to the senior mix engineer. In an ideal world, you got one person to do all these things. So, you know, like you said, you don't go crazy with stress. <laughs> so, again, it boils down to budget, time and, you know, who you're working with. It's probably going to be the same person doing all this from recording to, to editing to now the mixing. And later, later once we're done, I'll tell you why this is a bad idea. But if budget doesn't permit, it's one person doing this and now you're down to mixing. So um, you're mixing the track. Um, you usually have a reference from your client or, or the artist. Uh, I like the sound of this song. Let's try to capture that. So you're mixing to that reference. You get everything done. Um, you got to do a mix check after you're done, right? Um, the Let me backtrack a little bit. The mixing process is usually done this way. Um, you come with a static mix first. So that's where you get all your levels, right? Make sure you can hear everything. Um, then you a static mix is basically not automated. Like all the levels are the same. Mm -hmm. It's called a static dry mix. And then you come in with the static wet mix. That's where you add your reverb effects, your, your spatial effects, your delays and reverbs to, to create a sense of space. Okay. Um, once that is done, you start automating things because you don't want everything to be at the same level and position all the time. You may want your verse to be like quieter and okay. then build up pre-chorus and then, you know, build things up even more for the chorus and then back down. Right, so you want to help the song breathe and grow. So this okay. is where you have your automation. It's like having a variety, or rather, a feel of for the song itself, right? Uh, yes, correct. So how you do this is by um, you know you got your faders that adjust the levels and all that. Mm -hmm. So you actually um, program those faders to change at different parts of the song. And with technology and software these days, you can uh, do this to almost any parameter in a song. Almost anything can be automated. So um, mixing a song has become a very technical, very complicated process these days. It can be as simple as you want it to be, but you can go all out. So this is all part of the uh, mix process. Lah. So when you're done with this, you're happy with it. As an engineer, you're going to want to check this in different systems. Uh, you want to check it in your... Uh, the car test is a very popular thing among engineers. Like you finish mixing in the studio, you take the song to your car, listen there. Yeah, this is... You've probably yeah, not, heard this before. Not, 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 it's not only locally down here or you. I mean, a couple of guys, even Metallica and all this kind of stuff, were talking yeah. about that. Any After any songs they produce, they have to yeah. do the car test before they release yeah. it. Well, nowadays, you got to do one more. you got to do a laptop test. you got to do a phone test. 
Twitch is it horrible. It has to sound good on the Chinese speakers. It has to. Wow, that's a lot of varieties, man. Yeah. It's like phone. If you have a lousy speaker, it doesn't matter, man. So what do you do with the good quality a phone with the good speakers, or you just go with a phone with an average well, sounding uh, thing? This is the thing with uh, crappy speakers. Um, if you have used them long enough, you know where your speakers' good points are, strong points are, and shortcomings are. So you're used to how it sounds. You know what music is supposed to sound like on those speakers. So when you hear your mix on it, it's like, hey, it sounds, sounds too good. Something's wrong. Okay. That's the thing. That, that, <laughs> okay, that's the thing. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, let, let me give you an example. Huh? Say um, you're mixing on hi-fi speakers. All right? Okay. Uh, hi-fi speakers are designed to sound good. So you have extra bass. You got like, uh, you know, like those slightly scooped mids, you know, to give you that, that smiley face effect when you do yes. the EQ, right? Um, yeah, standard look. Like, ah, standard look. Then you got your, your high frequency sizzle and all that. Sounds great, okay? So when you mix on that, um, if, your, if your kick and bass guitar is very weak, your speaker is going to amplify that so you think it sounds good. Okay, okay. Right? So what you want to mix on is something that's relatively flat. When you play music on it, it might sound a bit boring. You know, there's, there's no, it doesn't thump you in the chest as much. But what you want is honesty. You want it to be transparent. So when you mix on that and and you have a good bass level there, now when you play it on hi-fi speakers, it's going to thump you in the chest. Okay. Ah, so that's how you, it is the, that's, that's the process basically, right? Correct. But if you are going to mix on crappy speakers, you need to have, it's like a pilot needs to cover, you know, how many X number of hours before you can, you know, get your license. You need to right. get those many hours on your speakers. You have to listen to those speakers enough to understand it inside out. So you know how every song sounds like on your speakers. So when you mix, you bring something new to your speakers. If something sounds off, you know it's off. Okay, so that that is for the test. That is the process hasn't even ended yet. There's only it's like no, we're just like they're only about what sixty percent there, sixty uh, yeah, pretty yeah, much about sixty. Yeah, okay. Right. And after so, all so, these tests, if you get it right, what happens then? If you get it right, I mean, you pass it to the client. Client says okay, pass, chudla. So you're done. The, the mix is done. Oh shit. No, you're around. You're around, man. I can see you. I can hear you. See me? All right. Yeah. Cool. I think you lost my face, okay. but I can see you. I, I can hear you. you. Okay, okay. Chun. Okay. Uh, so where were we, yeah? Uh? About 60% of the music. 60%, yeah. So you pass to the client. Client says it's Chun. It's done. Um, then uh, you probably want to think about mastering the song then. So mastering is where, okay, when you're done with a mix, you've recorded multiple tracks, right? Yeah. So, the mix down is where you bounce this all down to one single file. Okay, so, so the mixing. Wait, process, sorry, yeah. uh, let me let me go back a little bit. So before this, the stuff that you've been listening to is not a mi full mix down yet, or is it a mix down? No, you're 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 listening to the mix down, right? Okay. But mixing. If you want to change anything, you can still change individual levels of the the instruments. Okay. If you okay. want to, right? So once this is done, uh, you take this final file and you send this to a mastering engineer, all right? The mastering engineer has no control over the individual uh, instrument levels. Okay. So in, in mastering, what happens is um, 
uh, it's kind of like the final gloss over the product, okay? The mixing engineer finds the sound they want. The mastering engineer just kind of polishes up a little bit here and there. Without I getting see. too technical, essentially, that's what it is, lah. Okay, so he's he's the guy who just puts the uh, cherry on the cake, lah. Yes, correct. And he's also the guy who makes sure that the song is not too loud or too quiet. Uh, make sure there's not too much bass where some speakers might explode. Uh, you know, uh, make sure the frequency balance just right so it it sounds good across most speakers. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, And but the thing is, the, sorry. Uh, This this is just for generally uh, for the sound that's coming out in general where to be played anywhere at all, right? Yes, correct. But does it does it go? Does it is there more to that? Because like say if I'm going to produce something, if I'm going to master it, our radio has uh-huh. to sound like this. Spotify has to sound like that. YouTube has to sound like this. You uh, uh, whatever whatever other platforms do they have individual settings for each of it or is it it's the same? Actually, yes, you're right. Uh, it is slightly different. So um, you will want to specify to your mastering engineer what kind of release you're going to do. Um, usually these days, it's digital only. Not many people print CDs anymore. Um, so the mastering process for CD is slightly different from uh, Spotify, for example. Um, CDs are made to be slightly louder than digital releases. Um, Spotify, they actually prefer songs that are not mastered too loud. Because what they do is they apply their own uh, algorithm to it, and they bring up songs to a kind of like a nominal level across everything. So if your song is over compressed and and it's too um, it's compressed, a very technical term. I, I don't know, man. You you gotta tell me. I'm just I'm just like going back to basics right now. We're listening to this whole thing. Okay, if if your song is made to be very loud, uh, on CD, and you use that same master for Spotify. Uh, Spotify is going to recognize this as too loud and push your level down. So instead of um, it being louder than the other songs, so you get attention, it's going to be softer than the other songs. So, in a nutshell, mastering process for CD and for Spotify, YouTube, and all is a slightly different process. And always r- retain your dynamic range, lah. Actually, you know what? You shouldn't be mastering your own song. You should send it to a mastering engineer. I I I actually said that I was going to come back to this uh, earlier. Now that yep. we're end of the process, right? I was going to tell you about why it's a good idea for all these people to be different. See, if you have the same person um, starting the song from pre-production all the way till mastering, by the time you've reached editing, you are so desensitized to the mistakes in the song. You don't hear it anymore. You're not able to um, be, you know. You cannot feel be adding more to the song. You know, you just it just feels like uh, okay lah, sounds okay, but sounds good, but because you're used to it. So okay. if you have a different recording engineer, you have one recording engineer. They've done their best job, and then they pass it on to a, to an editor. Um, that person will start picking out mistakes that the recording engineer may have missed out, and fix it. And then you pass it on to the mixing engineer. Again, same thing. Uh, they would have picked up something that uh, the editor missed out, and you know, correct that there. Then the mastering engineer, different person, fresh ears, new perspective. You you kind of improve it as you go along. But then, if you have the same person doing everything, it gets a bit lethargic after a while. I mean, we're only human. We make mistakes. Okay. Know? 
It's very interesting because uh, here, here's a question that just popped in uh, by Emin. Um, okay, is it a good is it good to premix before sending it to another person to master? Uh, premix, premix. Uh, well, you should be sending a full mix um, before sending it to master. Yes, uh, but I think I think the question is to um, do you compress your mix before sending it to master? If that is the question. Uh, best not to unless your song specifically requires a certain creative compression like uh, if you're doing a dance or edm music um you probably want a sidechain running on the master so you have that pumping effect that's a creative decision okay. um by all means go go for it but do not compress your song your mix too hard before you send it to the master if you can all don't right. compress it Martin, i kind of lost you on the camera I kind of lost you in the camera. Please tell me you have batteries on your camera because I can hear you on the audio side of it. But we'll still continue I, with... Yeah. I, hopefully your friend came back in half an hour to uh, check on the batteries. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Don't worry. Since it's a, it's a podcast, people will be listening to it anyway. So we'll just continue. Uh, if you, you have to just men mention you have to talk to people or get somebody to fix your camera, no problem. I can just blabber in a bit while you do that. Is that okay? Yes, please. Uh... Yeah, take me off for a while. Let me fix this and I'll be right back. Okay, no problem. This happens. Glitches do happen. Uh, this is what we've been talking about from the very start of this uh, podcast. It's all about mu music, the sound engineering part of it, the studio, what happens, the entire process of it. That's what goes on pretty much, okay? Because a lot of people, uh, many of us actually just know the song. We listen to it. We play it on Spotify. We play it on uh, your CD player. Maybe on uh, listen to it on radio. But there's a lot of things that... Uh, happens behind the scenes and this is what the entire podcast is all about so if you just uh, tuned in you might want to start it from the very start later on once this whole thing is over it will, it will be available on uh, spotify well a uh, big shout out to a couple of people who just tuned in okay let's uh, check out some uh, messages so kaiser hey what's up man chris Dawes, uh silverage uh, benson chiang uh, david uh, devin hey devin thanks for tuning in uh devinda rick hey eric uh, cody oe and the list goes on. Nadim Mohamed Zain. Hey, Abang Roshan. Abang Roshan is also listening in, which is good. Uh, Muzaffar Saleh. I mean, I mean, I hope you have any other questions. Feel feel free to fire it away, man. Just fire away whatever questions you have. And uh, we'll be more happy to assist you on that part. I'm just waiting for uh, Madan to solve this thing out. And don't worry. Okay, Madan's back again. Madan, you're good. Oh, you got the camera on. But uh, uh, just give me the sign that you want to come on board. And I'll put it, yeah, you're back. All right, put your headphones on. Good, all, right. all good. Yeah. All good, all good. I I still lost my screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you look good, man. You look good on the screen. <laughs> okay, like, I'll take your word for it. I can't see you. But <laughs> you can't see me. Uh, I, okay. See my laptop over here. I've got the secondary screen. It, it's 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 quite a complicated setup, uh, uh -huh. This is a two. -man job. It's a two-man yeah. job. Something by myself. I know. See, this is why even even the, you just moment, a moment ago you talked about giving it to several different people to do the job. Well, now you know why. Here's a perfect example. You need to have different sets of people to uh, actually operate things as such. Uh, <laughs> Evans also says that you have such a beautiful studio. Devin Madden and his team at Palta are highly recommended. Thanks for doing this, RF. It's my pleasure, man. Yes, I have to go back to... Uh, sorry, uh, before we go back to the music part of it, the studio... I think we'll save that for a bit from now. I'll talk about the studio in a bit. Uh, so we are back again to the uh, topic of mastering, okay, for Spotify, getting the right levels. 
But when you send it to the guys who's mastering it, right? So does he yeah. give you different different types of uh, versions of that song for each place that you need to put it? Or is it a standard thing? Okay, if I can do it for Spotify, that means everywhere else is going to sound the same. Uh, okay, la, rule of thumb is you get one for physical release, um, which is CD, and one more for digital release, which is uh, Spotify, um, Apple Music, YouTube, uh, everything else. It, it usually is generally the same um, type of file. So two versions. Okay, that clears it out a lot because I have come across some bands like uh, even during uh, Music Kitchen and uh, uh, Ashton was creating the album. The process was amazing, man. Music was one guy's doing the music, one guy's doing the mastering, and one guy's doing the mixing. I was like, why the hell is there so many people for one particular song? Can one guy do it? But thanks to your explanation, now I know why this thing is very important. And of course, um, not only you need the right sound engineer, the right equipments, okay, the equipments mm -hmm. that you have in the studio, that, does that play a big role too? Or is it you, you can handle it with the basics itself? Oh, this is a tough question. Uh, it's like... Um... Because if, assuming you're a super engineer or super producer, uh, but then again, you have a very basic mixing equipment, does that really help? You can just, okay, can, I can do with the whole thing or would you prefer to have something that is full-fledged to come up with a good, good mix or a good song? Right. Okay, so on one hand, as an engineer, you should be able to get amazing results with very little equipment. That is your skill as an engineer. But on the other hand, you need a proper color palette to paint your masterpiece. You, you get what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. The right tools for yeah. the right job. Right? right tools for the right job, yes. Um, but if you, um, if you only have these things at your disposal and it's the bare minimum, you should be able to do quite something impressive with that. Everything else is an extra. Ah, okay. This is this thing I thought you said. No, you must have it. But this whole recording process—I mean, it is—it is—it does sound like a costly affair. But could you just help me out? I know that you can't really specify the rate, but the range of it. In order for me to come up and release a single, I want to record a single. Uh, what's the range like? An, an album? How much would it cost me? Well, uh, if you're engaging a studio to do this, uh, to have a song done, uh, so many variables. Uh, if you have, if you have an instrumental already done, right? Uh, say you're a hip hop artist. Okay, okay. you've got someone who uh, created a beat for you. You're going in the studio to record your vocals, and uh, you've uh, you're sending in the stems of the beat for the engineer to mix. Um, this would actually cost less because there's less studio time involved. Um, you're looking at something like uh, a thousand. Don't, don't, don't quote too low like, because then their competitors will start whacking me after that. Why you tell that price? <laughs> <laughs> no, Just it, give it, a range. It, it, a range it, it starts off at about a thousand or so, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and it goes up to tens of thousands depending on who is uh which studio which engineer which producer uh which mastering engineer again this is where you have to work with the budget that you have be realistic i mean if you have a five thousand ringgit budget then you have a five thousand ringgit budget so work within it do the best you can with five thousand uh don't skimp don't spend money you don't have two very important things that you have to remember as an independent artist Okay, so for those who's tuned in right now, for those who's been listening to pirate stuff and all the free stuff, now you know why an artist makes so much of noise whenever you hear the word piracy or when you don't buy their song. 
you see the amount of time they spend in this particular per one particular song yeah. and the effort that's been put in it is cr ridiculously crazy man uh now i know why i, I have to continue paying for my music okay here's here's a message from roshan roshan jamrock dude you're also a producer okay here's one i've not seen this done yet over here is it possible to someone with your setup your mixing on studio monitors then switch to listening to it on like home theater system then switch to a makeshift car system uh, system setup then switch it back to studio monitors can this be done yes it can it can uh you need the right equipment for that um see like my monitoring uh no you can't see it yeah, it's, I, I've, I've got this monitoring setup where i can switch between three sets of speakers right so in order to pull this off you basically need to have your main monitors on um your monitor a for example uh, monitor mm -hmm. b will go into a hi-fi system all right uh monitor C will probably go into like like a makeshift car system. I actually seen someone do this. Um, <laughs> there's this guy online. I saw this picture. He built like this. Imagine your car stretched out wide. Okay. Right? He his desk was in that kind of enclosure with like speakers coming out of like what looked like doors. It's okay. ridiculous, but it's a great idea. So you do your car test right there in your control room. Ah, so the setup is such to get even not only for the audio part of it, but it's also for visual, right? For visual as well, uh, yeah, yeah. But but this can be done. But what's important is uh, you gotta adjust the relative levels of each speaker so that it kind of sounds about the same. Because um, your ears tend, your brain tends to tell you that something sounds better when it's louder. It's not necessarily the case. So when testing between um, uh, several sources or testing between several speakers make sure that they're all playing back at relatively the same level then you can hear whether it's better or not ah well we learned something new i hope roshan that will answer the question uh, another question from roshan hey why you never book out the silat when we work together madan what silat hey I book out all the silat all the time. <laughs> I mean, when you work with Russia, did you do the same thing, test it out in three different uh, settings? Have you tried done that? Uh, okay, wait. I have the capability to test the three different speakers on my system, but I only have one set of monitors, so I cannot book out the Silat, bro. <laughs> oh, but it's doable. Uh. It's doable. Uh. It's time for you to invest in some more some more monitor speakers, Ben. There you go. Uh, remember, for those listening in, if you doesn't matter if you're a producer, artist, or whoever, feel feel free to ask mother whatever you need to ask because I know some parts of it which I wouldn't know on the technical details of it. Only a band knows it. Only a musician would know it. A producer would know it. So I'm just asking you every questions I can think of as a layman. Okay, that's one. Okay. That's, as a layman, that's where I can ask all these questions. But thank you so much for all the the technical side of it. Makes me look a bit smarter now. But <laughs> anyway, about uh, talking about studios and things that you do in your studios, um, like Emin said earlier, you have a fantastic studio. It's one of, one of the studios that is uh, always been a pleasure to work in. Or you just want to hang out, just have a look at it. I mean, if I was in a band, I would love playing in your studio. And recording in your studios it is set up in such a way it's not like one of those dark gloomy places 
wires running here, there, and everywhere. That's always the case. Most recording studios that I have been in is always has this dark, gloomy setup, but yours is a little different. It's also check out to make a music video. And uh, lately, uh, one of the ventures that I've noticed is that you have gotten into live stream. And we're going to talk about that because some of the live bands I know during this whole MCO thing that's happening, uh, they tend to do some live shows in order to make some money out of it, you know, do some recordings in at their homes or maybe the offices or wherever it is. But it doesn't really sound right. If somebody is going to pay, pay you for your performances, you need to give them back something good in return. And uh, one of the methods or solution is through the live streaming that uh, you have been doing. And could you just talk a little bit about that? Uh, okay, so when the MCO started, um, live streaming became a thing. Uh, everyone was doing it. Uh, initially, it was great because, um, well, let's face it, uh, everyone is was in a very funky mood uh, at the time. You, you're either depressed or you're in disbelief or you're just angry with the whole situation, uh, especially if you're a musician. Um, it's everything so uncertain because um, your you've been your, your ability to make a living has been taken away, like literally just taken away. You can't work. You have no yeah. income, you know. And um, so, with with uh, it, it, what started off as like a feel good thing, hey, let's just you know, let's just perform online. Like, I don't get paid, so never mind. I just want to do my thing. Let's share you know my music with people. It started off with this whole feel good thing. Um, but as the MCO got extended more and more and more, um, things started getting a lot more real, very serious. Like, like you know, there are a lot of people that actually couldn't go out and, and work and perform and earn money. Uh, and we had no idea um, when this was going to end. So it, uh, some, some very enterprising musicians started um, live streaming with their bank account details, uh, which is great. And... Uh, some um, venues started uh, hiring bands um, as, as a way to um, engage with their customers despite the fact that they're not open. They hired mm -hmm. bands to uh, live stream, hosted it on their Facebook page, which, which is all great, great uh, ideas. Um, but as this happened, like you said, um, you want to start monetizing this thing. It means that your production quality has to be um, slightly up as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's not good enough to, um, you know, put a phone on a tripod and perform and call it a day. It's just not happening. Not it's, fair to the uh, person who's paying. Yeah, correct. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't look great. Um, I, when I say great, I mean it. It has to look and sound great. This is something people are paying for. Like um, when when um, they go to a bar to watch live music, um, if the sound system sucks, they're going to be upset. So when when you're live streaming with your phone, that's exactly what you're giving your audience, a shitty sound system. Okay. <laughs> and you expect them to pay, you know? Yeah, true enough. If it's bad from recording, it's going to be bad in the output also. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we've uh, we've done a lot of uh, live performance videos uh, here at Paul Soundworks. Um, we've done music videos. We've done uh, live recordings with um, video. We've uploaded a lot to our, our YouTube channel. Uh, we used to run this um, series called The Pulse Sessions where we get a band in to um, just do a live rendition of their song. We produce it as well as we can. It's kind of like um, the Abbey Road Sessions, you know, something like that. Uh, a live rendition of 
uh, commercially released song that they have. So what what we started doing was to um, bring in bands and attempt to produce it this same way, but stream it live. And this is proper live. This is actually live. There are mistakes in these videos. And um, th there are people uh, commenting on these videos, which the band members actually read and, and address and, and answer those comments. This is live. This is not recorded, pre-recorded and streamed as a live stream. And, okay. and, and I, I feel that this is important. This is very, very important. Um, because when you're unable to perform to a live audience, your next uh, best solution is to stream live to an audience. And if an audience wants to, re to uh, react and con converse with you, that's, that's part of your onstage. I mean, this is the closest thing you're going to get to an onstage presence. Lah. Right? Yeah, but so having pre-recorded material is not going to go. You have to do it live. And you have to up the quality. It is, it is to give the, the feel because like what you said, the, the common words that are being used right now is the new norm, the new norm. But uh, yeah. taking it to, into consideration, it's actually working out because not necessarily you need to have a, a venue right now. It depends how you market yourself and how you uh, uh, sell yourself out there, which could actually monetize you way better than you actually being performing in your, I mean, wherever location you could think of. Like, for example, like uh, I'm going to take some names, which is pretty big names, who has uh, profited big time out of this live stream. Like you say, for example, a name we has done his live concert, and the lately uh, recent uh, article that came out, BTS made more money, or rather had more response for their live concert performances by a live stream. So the good thing of doing live stream is your audience is just not limited to a particular venue, but also can it contains, sorry, also in terms of getting it out uh, outside there and uh, spreading it I mean, giving you a bit of extra publicity or other new audiences. That's one good part about having the live stream and doing it right uh, plays a very important role. I'm just going to read out a couple of messages. In terms of live stream and shows during MCO, okay, Roshan hasn't completed the question. And a couple of other side, Roshan, I'm going to read out that question a little bit from now. But complete your question first, okay? So let's get back to the live stream. Pardon me. I'm just getting distracted with both sides. Like what you said, I have to interact with the audience, right, who's tuned in. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. So this live stream thing that you're doing right now, how many people have actually tried it out so far? Uh, we've actually done, uh, if I remember correctly, about four bands so far. Uh, we've done a full rock band. We've done a, an acoustic duo. Uh, we've done like a jazz-ish band. We've, 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 it's it's uh, something that we're trying to um, push ourselves, challenge ourselves as I go along. Um, because like you said, the new norm, right? Um, as, as a business, we're not, we're not going to get, um, as many jobs the way we used to get. We actually have to carve out a new niche in, uh, trying to secure new clients. And if this is a new skill set that we need to acquire, then it's what we have to do. Um, although I have to add, we're not new to the live streaming game, um, some of you may have seen uh, the uh, Your MC talk show, which yeah. was uh, shot entirely on mobile phones and streamed live every Sunday between um, 2017-2018. We did it for two years straight, uh, pro bono, um, out of the goodness of our hearts. Yes. <laughs> we just wanted to do it because uh, we had fun, we learned a lot, and we felt that there was a lot of value in the show. 
and um, we helped promote a lot of local businesses and our NGOs at the same time. Um, this was, uh, of course, JJ's uh, brainchild, and we were happy to be part of it. So we have had a lot of experience live streaming, but what we're trying to do right now is to um, push it up a notch. We want it to look like it's a production, a video that was post-produced, and we want to do it live. Okay. Um, that's the challenge because if you're going to have people paying to watch a performance, if you're going to have like a, um, a private link where you, you pay to get the link, which is like a private show, basically, it has to look like a concert. It has to look great. It has to sound great. Um, there's, there's, you know, to achieve that, you're going to have a, have to have a team behind it. You're going to have at least three cameras. Um, each camera has an operator. You're going to have a video switcher. You gotta have the relevant software and hardware. Uh, you're gonna have an audio engineer with all the basically whatever equipment that a live venue has. There's this many people that needs to be paid. So you you know you're gonna get a good quality out of it. You know you're gonna generate revenue out of it. And there's this many jobs that have been created. Okay, that's that's interesting because uh, it is. I mean, there's good and bad towards this whole idea because one. I am trying to earn a living, but I don't. I'm, I'm not even sure about the revenue that I'm going to get in. But uh, at the very same time, I have to pay uh, to pay to get something good. So it is. Uh, it's a tough balance right now. Unless you market it well, uh, how you market it and how you sell yourself, uh, that would make a big uh, difference. Am I right? Uh, what I would suggest is do what you're doing first. But once it picks up steam, once it starts getting some traction then you have to start leveling up. I'm, I'm not saying that, okay, if you want to stream live, if you want to do a live stream, this is the only way to do it. No, that is not, not what I'm saying at all. Start off with whatever you're doing at home on your phone. Once it gets some traction, then start leveling up. You, you okay. Everything happens at, at the right pace. You're not going to hit step number 10 right at the start. Slow steady, la. slowly but surely. La. Uh, surely but okay. slowly. Uh, Surely, surely, okay. yes. I'm going to go sidetrack a little bit down here. Uh, here's here's the question. Uh, during the MCO, some live stream shows, some corporate will say, we want to help the artists, but do you feel that it is more of the artists helping the corporate companies? Because uh, it is the artists actually helping the corporates, not only performing for peanuts or close to nothing, but using artists' platform and fully to get eyeballs on their brand. Uh, under the guise of we are helping the artists. Do you agree on that part? Because you you have connected, uh, you yeah. have relationships with a whole lot of artists. Do you agree on that part, people jumping in and saying that, hey, uh, I, I'm helping you out, dude? Okay. Um, what, I, what I will say is that um, everyone has their value here. Um, the artist definitely has their value and the brand clearly sees that value in the, in, in, um, the artist. The artist, yes, needs to be paid, should never do anything for free. There is no such thing as doing things for exposure. Even if you're picking up someone um, who's got no uh, traction, no just starting off, at least, you know, with Minya or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right? some, something is better than nothing at all. Something, right? Because it, it starts off from there. Um, at the same time, you also, as an artist, you also have to factor in, is this brand actually um giving me a platform which i otherwise would not be able to achieve you have to ask yourself that very very honest question remember you're not doing anything for free right 
but you have to know whether this is worth your time or not or are you better off on your own if, yeah you know if you're if you're performing on an artist or on a brand's page and that brand has 10,000 viewers every stream regardless that's something that's worth your while it really is because you're reaching out to 10,000 people that you otherwise would not have Yeah, because uh, I've noticed this also. Yeah, some of the uh, clients or rather some of the brands uh, basically don't have that figures, but they harp on the popularity of the artist in order to market themselves. But then again, the artist just walks home with a big thank you. You, we have given you enough exposure. That's that's why pretty much is what's happening right now. I've seen that yeah, a couple of times, uh, using the big names in order for you to get the figures and all. But then again, you say no, I'm helping you. But in actuality, uh, Roshan is right. You, the artist, is helping the brand uh, pick up. Yeah, yeah. In in that case, yes, it is the artist who's carrying the brand. In the artist has to be paid. Simple. It's like uh, the brand has an advertising budget, um, which I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, anyone from advertising who's watching, please uh, feel free to chime in. Um, these budgets are not really being utilized right now, are they? You know, in this past three months or so, whatever advertising budget there is, why can't this advertising budget go into um, paying artists who can actually bring in numbers to your platforms? Yeah, because one of the best methods is, uh, apart from this live, like the things that I'm doing it, I'm doing it basically to share information. It's nothing to do with promoting artists or promoting my show or whatsoever. It's just that information that we have, we're just sharing it with whoever the community that we know of. But what they can do right now is uh, the corporate companies, I know some of you guys are listening in right now, some guys with the advertising agencies, take this live stream for instance okay you can actually create something using a proper live stream instead of just your handphone and then streaming it out there so please walk us through the steps of what exactly goes on about this live stream at least they have an idea before people get on board right so so um basically my setup right now lah yeah yeah okay um so we are actually using a uh, DSLR cameras Um, today we're using one. Uh, depending on what we're shooting, we may use up to three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we do this is because uh, you get a better image quality. We've got uh, options of lenses, uh, which gives you more options, lah. Depending on what you want to shoot, wide, uh, more depth of field, etc. Um, you gotta have the right kind of lights, right? Uh, in whatever space you have, if it, I, I mean, what you look at. Is how it looks to your eye, but there is no camera in the world that is as good as what your eyes are. So you always, always need lights, even if you think it's bright enough, right? So you gotta have the right lighting. You gotta have the right lighting in the right positions. Okay, uh, you gotta need a way to um, get all this camera information into your um, laptop or computer. So you will need uh, some sort of capture card. Or a uh, video switcher, which is um, let me see that here. This this is our video switcher here. Okay. Right? So I can actually switch which camera I want to use at any given point. Um, I can also, depending on how I set it up, I can also have a layer of graphics, right? So this has to be uh, pre-made. Uh, this can be animated graphics or can be still graphics. So that means I can have my song title or I can have like my logo. Um, it can be just spinning in a corner. These are just small, tiny um, things that adds interest to your video. It gives it that that 
sense of uh, this is a proper it's like a TV quality. production altogether. Ah, yes, exactly. Um, you send me I a mean, video. Is that is that related to whatever you just mentioned? Okay, the video that I sent you is actually um, something interesting. I want to talk about um, now that you have a lot of uh, home studios that uh, you know, people are recording at home. So why do I need to go to a proper studio? So what I did in that video was I walked around different areas of this studio and recorded my voice with the same mic at the same distance. And okay. you can hear for yourself how each room sounds different. Oh, okay. That, that was more towards the audio part of it, not, not the live stream, right? Sorry, no, no, I didn't no, get a no. chance to watch the entire video earlier. So pardon me. I thought it was just a sample. And uh, if, if you want to know that uh, exactly what Madan has just mentioned about live stream and how it looks like when you do it properly, uh, I would highly suggest once again to, for you to visit his Facebook page, which is uh, uh, Pulse Soundworks. And you have an example of a band performing down there, right? Yes. Uh, we've been trying to do at least one a week. Um, mm -hmm. Every, I mean, We're doing all this... Um, pro bono at the moment uh just to uh, help support the bands okay so we're kind of doing it in our in our own time whenever we can uh, okay so however, to the, all the bands who's listening right now when he said pro bono is just trial only okay don't take that for granted and uh, call mother mother let's do another one pro bono you just imagine he has bills to pay tnb has not been kind with electricity bill lately so you know why so don't go everybody so go on pro bono right everybody's free time we want to do it we do it so that's that's what we do to um help us up our game or so. But uh, having said that, we are open for bookings and inquiries. So if you need any uh, live streaming services, you can always contact us. Yeah. That, that is something very, very important because like I said earlier, it is like when you use the term, uh, the new norm, it doesn't mean that everybody, yeah, everybody is struggling. Yes, we can't deny the fact, but that doesn't mean you can take advantage of the situation and just jump on board and just do everything for free. No, it's bad. See, like Roshan said, the slogan for the so-called MCO is times are hard, which I honestly say is rubbish. Yeah, times are hard, but that doesn't mean you can't pay for it. You have to pay in order for you to get something really good going on, right? Bro, I, I just want to share with you this. I was talking to a busker friend of mine, and this guy is a full-time busker. Uh, without busking, he's got no income. So he actually shared th this with me. Um, the first month, everyone was like depressed and like, oh, shit, you know, I need I need government help. I need a handout. I need this. I need that. Fine. You know what? Acceptable. The first month, you're struggling. Then the MCO was extended for a second month, right? If at this point, you are still wallowing in self-pity and not helping yourself. That's your fault. It really is. But never mind last second month, third month. Third month, you're still not doing anything for yourself. That it really is your fault. You've had two months to get over this and try to think of something that you can do instead of looking at what you cannot do. Alternatives. It's, yeah, alternatives. You, you have to find a way. Like Roshan said, Times are hard. This is the slogan. Correct. What are you doing about it? Ah. Seriously, ask yourself this question. What are you doing about it? I mean, <laughs> there are musicians who are, you know, selling goreng pisang and nasi lemak and burger and all. Hey, I there was a point where I, I admit, I was actually considering, should I go and apply at 7-Eleven? <laughs> no. I know that feeling. I know that feeling, man. <laughs> It, it could have happened, it might have happened, but you know what? The CMCO happened, we opened, we slashed all our prices by half. We literally slashed everything, everything's on 50% off for all of our audio production services. 
and people started coming back slowly and started paying our bills lah. Yeah, but the but, thing is this, okay, good and bad, bad side of slashing things and looking for alternatives. Uh, yes, people are comfortable. I, I wouldn't want to use this. Uh, yeah, that's the word to use. Everybody's taking advantage of the situation, not only for the artist side of it, company, companies especially, uh, taking advantage of the situation, saying that, oh, times are bad, like what Roshan mentioned earlier. Uh, prices are cheap. This is how I'm going to pay you. Are you concerned that they'll get too comfortable with it and continue to pay that particular price? Yes, I am concerned about that, but uh, that would mean that we have to put our foot down. At one point, you know, things will, prices will have to reflect what is the current situation. It will just have to change, and um, if ha if having a, a discounted price um, brings in new clients who are happy with the way we work then it shouldn't be a problem for us to gradually increase the price back again once things are things are back to normal it really shouldn't if 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 our work is as good as as uh, as it should be yeah because i'm also concerned as it is you have the issues of undercutting and all this kind of stuff is that people now are through excuse it let me highlight this word at desperate times or hard times start slashing their prices in order to penetrate the market uh, that's also one of my concerns. I'm going to continue reading some of the messages that's going on here. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you may have got me wrong when I said times are hard. I meant corporate companies. Yes, exactly. I also meant the corporate companies, not the artists, because I've always believed these are talents. Okay, these are talents. Uh, no matter how bad they are, how bad situation is, they will come up. Like I said earlier, this whole live stream thing and performing live, people continue to uh, persevere through the, during this whole time span, and also they're finding alternative methods to actually. Uh, sustain or rather maintain their income or to a certain extent when a big enough corporation says times are hard uh, i'm sorry but i call bullshit I, seriously um how many years of being in business you have reserves to sustain a three or four month period with zero income you do but when a big business closes it's because you don't want to incur expenses for the following few months you can always reopen when things are better it's yeah. not that they die they will yeah, not I know. die it's just, just finding excuses yeah. they're just finding excuses because like i said earlier uh, a couple of shows or rather a couple of online streams that i've been checking out uh, which uses some of the artists to perform and all the things and recording or maybe tv or whatever okay I also noticed when I spoke to the artists, yes, they weren't being paid. It's just the name of the word of exposure. And uh, they said, no, this is how it's going to be. Nobody has money right now. But I'm just curious. Dude, it's only been the first month. If you're talking about after six months, yes, I can say it. But first month, yeah. don't tell me you didn't have the budget for the year to spend for advertising and promotion. And you're doing it a live stream, which is a fraction of the cost. Instead of renting yeah. out a venue, renting out a sound system, crew, and whatever not, you're doing it online, which means you're just going to pay peanuts, man, for your cost of the whole thing. And you yeah. still can't pay the artist? You can't pay the host? I find that a big bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, which like, doesn't make sense, but you already set your budget for the whole year, entertainment budget for the whole year. You only had the issue for the first two months. You tell me now the next next three, four months, okay, fine, I can agree. Yes, you had losses for three, four months. But this mm -hmm. happened in the first one 
Yeah, so they, they, those are some of the issues. But let's get on to some lighter side before we get worked up with all this, <laughs> this frustration, man. Because I know that feeling, even emceeing also, they say, bro, no, come on, do love for free and all this kind of stuff, you know. I don't know, yeah. man. I'm just tired of that word, man. That word free, I'm beginning to feel allergic of that particular word, dude. Yeah, I, I, I just hope friends, that all the... Friends is different, though. Yeah, I, I just hope all the artists, the uh, performers, the MCs, anyone in the creative industry who's watching this right now, please know that when a when a client says oh tak ada budget lah you know mcu and all that it, it you still have your rate you still have your price maybe it's less than what it used to be but never do something for free even at this time never do something just for exposure you got to cari yeah. makan also we all do yeah it's it gets it sticks to you if you do it for free that's the problem they'll look at you as someone as a free artist whatever you want to perform perform uh, just hold you by your balls okay i'm just going to read out some fun messages uh, let's see roshan's previous message sorry uh, file name aaa1 aa2zzz3sds4 do you do that dude, when you save your files uh no <laughs> i have a very very organized system for naming my files okay, uh, okay. I, I i trust it a bit like whenever i do my vo recording at home it's just i that's what happens just tap whatever on the keyboard and that's the file name no i i used to do things like that and it oh i couldn't find anything so what i started doing was uh, i start the file name with the date and i go in reverse uh this, this is actually done in japan uh so if it's 2020 uh 18 june uh it will be 200618 so it will come down alphabetically okay so you have yeah. a proper system uh. okay good correct so after that date you can call it whatever you want so it comes in order of date always at, at least roshan did you do the same thing no your file name was pretty long i think if i given you a chance for we did the last video recording you had to put it by full name my ic number my house address also that file which is what it was for recording in his studio uh evan's message earlier sorry mr evan uh, what was the one thing that grinds your years when it comes to artists sending in stems or mixes to you to master sending in mp3s i hate that do not send <laughs> Oh bro you, that that shit actually happens you know can, can you master my mix for me here's the mp3 of it oh dude i can imagine that but if they yeah. do do you, do you work can you work on that no you can't uh no I, okay look, i i don't do mastering uh i've heard of mastering engineers is receive mp3s i i don't know the story what happened there but if i receive a mix a uh, a uh, uh, bunch of stems if it's all mp3s then no i wouldn't take it if it's um, all wave files are uh, decent quality and you've got one sample in mp3 that you just want to slap in there fine uh, close on i love oh man <laughs> okay but uh, i'm going to take this up today because wow it's been one and a half hours i'm just going to take this moment oh, we're going to yeah. play this particular video i i'm sure you worked hard to make this video so we're just going to play it for the rest out there who just tuned in and have an idea of why is it so important for you to walk into the studio and uh, doing this particular uh, hiring proper studios and proper engineers is that the video all about uh okay so the video actually showcases the acoustic spaces that you can record in um sometimes you need to record in a studio that's been acoustically treated Be- not not because of the equipment because of the room You can buy the best equipment in the world and put it in your house and say that I've got a home studio I don't have to leave home but sometimes you need the room 
Um, here's something before you watch the video, something to remember. Expensive mics are very, very accurate, which means that if you have a shit room, you will get a shit sound in your very good mic. Okay. <laughs> now I feel bad because I bought a cheap shit mic, but a nice room. Okay, mine is a bit different now, Mike. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, seriously, and I, certain parts of this interview I really regret because I feel like I'm being slapped in my own face for the stuff that I do, man. No, bro. But but remember, like what what I also said. You there's there's a uh, curve to go in. I mean, I, I didn't start the studio yesterday. You know, this year is our 10th year. We've been around for 10 years. This wow. happened gradually. So, dude, for for like, what, a month or so of, of your YouTube, uh, of these videos that you've been doing, I think you've been doing a great job, man. I mean, Thank next you, thing, you know, you. you have a sponsor coming in, like, hey, Nev, you know, I want to put my brand here. Uh, here's some money, buy some equipment. Hey, that'd be nice, man. Because, cool. like I said, when I started off this thing, I did it for the fun of it. I just because I, I like me, I like talking to people, and it turned out well. So, but enough about me. We gotta check out your video, man. I gotta check out this video because I'm I'm curious. You gave me something, and I didn't get a chance to watch it. So let's let's take a watch of this whole thing. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, can I play it from here? Is this this streaming yeah. thing is a bit tricky? So let's try it out. Okay. Channel. So sorry about that. Was there no sound? Was there no sound coming out? Uh, okay. Uh, if I'm not wrong, when you share screen, there's an option to share audio as well. Yeah, but unfortunately, like when I uh, unfortunately when I clicked on it, there's nothing over here. So, ah uh, man, oh, yeah. this is absolutely sad. Nice video, and I just messed it all up. Streamyard, you no didn't worries. make it easier for me. Streamyard. You just made it messed up for me, man. And now I lost you on the camera. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, Zila. Oh, pardon no. me. I think Streamy didn't actually allow me on that uh, particular settings. Uh, hopefully, I can just do it again. Uh, maybe I'll share it on my Facebook page after this. Okay, you can check it out on the Facebook page next to this video or the comment section. I'll try to put it down there. Okay, Madan, you still have your camera going on. It is a tough, it is a pretty long one. I think we didn't expect this particular chat to go on for one and a half hours. I can't believe this, I think, it must be the longest one. I've ever had since episode one, man. No, actually, no. I had uh, Dr. Shakti, which is close to two hours. You're the next person who's uh, this long, dude. So uh, while we wait for Mother to fix up his camera, he sought out his camera. I'm just going to take it off air. And uh, please remember once again to visit his Facebook page, which is available. All you have to do is type Pulse Soundworks and all the details that you need to know about the uh, current project just to make it sound really good or make it sound uh, make it look really good you can also just try it out for the bands out there come on you put so much of effort to your music and uh, you want to make some money out of it you might want to try out doing live stream and uh, i'm pretty sure mother would be happy to work something out with you i know it's going to be cost uh, a little costly at certain times but i guess yeah he can work something out right mother Yes, sir. You're absolutely right. And uh, okay, I have to say, this is the first time I've changed three batteries on one camera. <laughs> this is the first time I'm going this long, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this this is, is by far the longest stream we've done. Yeah, my entire life of interviewing people, I think this is the longest one I've ever had because there's so much good things to share. There's so many good things, things that we take it for granted. And uh, thanks to you, I have to say, uh, hats off and uh, thank you to all the uh, sound engineers and studios for making that sound really good man the process is amazing i mean uh, this past one hour of listening to you and what goes on behind the scenes 
Um, now I understand why the price tag is such. And for those who, once again, if you're listening to music, no, no, no free music. Try to pay for it, all right? Don't simply oh, yeah. stream things for free. Don't download it from free. If you don't pinch up CDs, okay, if you see some artists selling the songs, buy it because you know the amount of cost that they have to occur, uh, the cost that occurs in order to produce one particular song is ridiculously yeah. crazy. Oh, and oh, uh, at the very least, uh, contribute by buying merchandise because uh, CD sales are not as good as it used to be. A lot of people are on streaming services and you, you may know that... Um, the royalties artists get from streaming is actually very low. So the bulk of the revenue comes from merchandise, which could be limited edition CDs, um, could be T-shirts, um, concert concerts merchandise, or subscription-based services. Uh, a lot of artists actually uh, sell um, yearly or monthly subscription where you get exclusive content, you know, uh, behind the scenes. Uh, you get to watch them uh, performing at home, you know, something that it, something intimate. So these are ways that you can actually support your artists. And these are the ways of uh, generating revenue for artists in the future. Because, hey, let's just face it, like, so 2020, a lot of music, the music itself doesn't quite generate much revenue. You have got to be creative about how you go about that. Well, that we, we we need to have another chat on that on another episode yeah. because it's it's going to be a long one. It's it is it is a fact. It is a fact. There's a lot of things that needs to be looked into. I think that will be my next topic when I come up on the podcast, man. Things that apart from just music, how can you help an artist, and how can an artist help himself or herself? That is something that has to be looked into. But then once again, thank you so much, dude. Thank you so so much for enlightening us for the very first time. I actually yeah. heard all heard something about sound engineering or the recording process of it thank you so much i really appreciate it and uh congratulations for the 10th year anniversary for pulse actually come to think of it the first time i met you was 10 years ago and it make yeah it is wow. 10 years hard candy right yeah yeah, yeah. about that hard yeah <laughs> yeah hard candy the mother used to play for a band called hard candy uh, do you still yeah. play uh, no, man, I've not performed in about two years now. You know? Okay. I think I doubt you'll have the time, especially now this year. I can officially say happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Just in time, a little friend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to the newborn guy. Please send my well wishes to Nikki also. An amazing mm -hmm. place. Please, for the guys who want to plan to record a song, you want to jam, you want to do live streaming, visit Pulse Songworks. Okay, it's an amazing place, beautiful place, great setup. And not only that, if you want to even have some workshops going on down there, that'll be an excellent place. That's, I can say that for sure because I did it early this year and I had a good yes. time. And just like how this particular interview, I dragged it to the very first workshop for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Is there anything you'd like to share with the rest of the world? Uh whoever's tuning into this podcast? Uh well, no man. I think we've <laughs> we've dragged it long enough. Thank you for having me and thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um and and great questions. Um, I mean, it clearly shows you know you're like paying attention and you know engaging, like, which is which is always great when you're on this yes. side of the camera. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. And uh, a big shout out to uh, Fateh Aaron, Zila Zaharudin, and also, hey, look who's on board, Nikki, Nikki De Cruz. <laughs> you know who's Nikki, lah. If you say you don't know Nikki, then you're in trouble, dude. You're in big trouble. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let you go right now, dude. Thank you once again. Don't forget to tune in there. Uh, 
click replay. You want to check out the entire uh, interview. And also, we it will be in, available on Spotify in the next 24 hours. All right? So have a great day and uh, have a great weekend too. Happy Father's Day. Thanks. Bye-bye.